This podcast is intended for mature audiences and contains adult language and subject matter. Listeners, please be advised. Welcome back to Drinking With Your Ex podcast. I am Bonnie Neal. And I am your death metal specialist counselor, Blake Thompson. What a hell of an introduction. (laughs) And you are back to our next episode of Drinking With Your Ex. As you know, Blake and I have started this podcast because we are exes who dated back in the turn of the century. (laughs) And we both find ourselves single and over 40, both with really strong opinions. You've been listening to every episode thus far. You also are not particularly shocked about why both he and I are still single. <laughs> let's put, let's, let's just stop right there. None of you are shocked. None of you are shocked. Single. It's not a mystery. It's, it's okay. It's all been revealed. Uh, there's no enigma. We're like, nope, get it. After My- the amount of episodes we've done. You know why. <laughs> you do know why. Well, you're still single <laughs> and over 40. And we just decided to share, uh, you know, our active neuroses with you. And also talk about, you know, various different uh, dating over 40 and relationship topics. We did date back in the turn of the century. Uh, and Blake has since become a licensed therapist. I had nothing to do with it. And I just have opinions. So she says. He's somewhat <laughs> licensed expert and we're just going to dive on to this so this podcast has three rules blake what's the first rule first rule is each episode is inspired by a type of cocktail or alcohol related to this week's topic second rule is that we both get to introduce the other thus engaging in the timeless edge play of having your ex introduce you to the world while the other stares at them piercing stare of a maniac or love or hatred you know kind of the same thing third rule Third rule is each one of us, based on today's topic, gets to ask the other an uncomfortable question. That the other one must answer. Sometimes there's some frantic hand signals behind that, but no, we we really don't let each other get out of it. And if one of us tries to get out of it, there's going to be, oh, I'm sorry, that wasn't uncomfortable enough. Here's a follow-up question on that. Follow-up double down. You seem, you know, nicely kind of chill around that. Unacceptable. Uh, so thank you for engaging in our emotional evisceration as a form of entertainment. We love you. No, to be real, this has been amazing. Honestly, the response to this podcast has just been so much fun. And we have yeah. so many great new topics and ideas based on responses we've gotten from uh, listeners, both on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, if Blake ever posts. And, you know, just meeting people in public. We've had a couple. Uh, we had our first live event. Which was amazing. It was Thank so you everybody that came out. In March, we're planning on have a lot more. But we do listen and we do respond. And please keep the information coming. Keep the topic ideas coming. You can reach us at info at drinkingwithyourex.com. It is spelled correctly in God's, Queen's, King's English as planned. And let's just kind of launch into it. So this week's topic is... Uh, new connections, new friends, new relationships. Make, over 40. Making new connections with other human beings over 40 and the challenges and joys that that can bring. Yeah. And like this is going to be a fun episode, everybody, because we're going to talk about a lot of really great solutions for you out there that are struggling with this said topic. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it, you know, all, all the statistics say it gets harder and harder, but um. I think it also gets better and better. You know, the, the older you get, the more you know what you want. 
Which brings us to the number one rule. Like, <laughs> this week is inspired by Conundrum Red Wine. $17.99 at your local liquor store. Which is the exact amount of financial and emotional investment you want to make in any new relationship. <laughs> just to feel things out. Conundrum Red Wine. It's here for you. <laughs> all right, so. <laughs> uh, and all the ambivalence around that. Uh, yes. Right. Second, uh, second rule, Blake, we get to introduce each other. Do you want to go first? I am actually going to go first this time. And ladies and gentlemen, I owe Bonnie an apology from last week in last week's episode. So Bonnie was stuck at the side of the road with a flat tire while I was busy. Napping. Napping. And... <laughs> not seeing text messages when can you come pick me up so Bonnie, don't really pick me up there's a creepy guy behind me yeah bonnie was terrorized by an accidental calisthenist that was standing behind her doing calisthenics around his car while she waited for a tow truck for a flat tire so i am giving my sincerest apologies for leaving her stranded out on the side of the road all right so blake here's what i need you to say uh there you go say, say it directly to my face right now bonnie i apologize for not picking you up from the side of the road and dealing with the accidental calisthenist. Blake, I forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> this is my ex, ladies and gentlemen, Bonnie Neal. <laughs> I'm kind of like Jesus. Thanks for noticing. Kind of like Jesus. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Blake Matthew Thompson, my ex-boyfriend. That's the second time you've done the full name thing. What the fuck? I just want to make sure that all of you guys Google stalking him out there could be able to find the full record. Um, but Blake Matthew Thompson, who will be turning 50 this June, and because his <sighs> friends, colleagues, oh God. family members love, hate him this much, we are planning on throwing him a live wake in which he will be attending, but we will be mourning him as if he is dead. So much fun. This is how we show our love. Yay, you're not dead, but you're totally dead. We're going to talk about you in front of your back. All right, so if y'all want to show up in Austin, Texas, just to let you know, you can have after-death selfies with Blake. After-death selfies. That sounds great. In an Instagrammable moment. Wonderful. Right on. Hashtag drinking with your ex. <laughs> Hashtag remember all the fun times you had with Blake. <laughs> it was such a tragedy, except now I'm glad he's fucking gone. It'd be great. Lovely. Don't die. Happy 50th. Try not to. <laughs> All right. So as you can tell, we're very excited about this yeah. week's topic. This week's topic was spawned from a journal article and numerous friends coming forward and talking about the challenges of making friends over 40. Yes. So if you've been um, a member of our private Facebook group, we will eventually make it public, but for now it's invitation only. Uh, you realize that we, we posted a Psychology Today uh, uh, article that was published, I think, in August of 2022 that talked about like the rise of lonely single men. And it basically kind of uh, discussed a recent kind of research that came out that's saying that, you know, men over the, you know, cishet men over the age of 40 were winding up being kind of over users, 62% of yeah. the like dating app users and not really connecting because they're don't have any emotional intelligence skills and women are or not emotionally it. connected whatsoever. Let's call this what this right. is. Right, right, right. And having no kind of real relationship skills, much less like romantic and dating ones. And, you know, we were, we talked a lot about that. Um, and really since we have, we've gotten a lot of feedback, both um, in person and also um, over email, info at drinkingwithyourex.com. Keep it coming. We do read it. About 
how difficult it is both for men and women and non-binary genders to actually just make friends, make connections, meet new people over the age of 40 and how to address that, how to do that. I have, I do feel like I have a, a large group of, you know, kind of platonic male friends in which I kind of somewhat do serve as some of their only uh, social outlets. But I also have had some friends of mine, females, who have come to me recently and talking about how they kind of want to hang out with me more often. But it really, basically, they're, <laughs> they're just aware that the majority of their friends are all kind of coupled up or, you know, in a very calendar-restrictive polycue, and they need to make new friends, deepen connections with people that they maybe haven't gotten close to before. And exactly how to do that and what yeah. to do that. And we're going to take advantage of Blake's many degrees in this moment um, and talk some shit. Yeah, and actually, this was well-researched prior to us talking shit about this topic. <laughs> <laughs> so just to let you know, this article that we read is from the International Journal of Experimental Clinical Behavioral and Technological Gerontology. They've been around since 1948. So, dear Lord, that is a hell of a mouthful. Don't worry, we will put a link to yeah. this this paper on yeah. our Facebook, and we'll also put it on our website as well. It is a behind a paywall, so, you know, if yeah. you want to pay to kind of read all the details of the research, you can. But Blake is here to kind of summarize it. Yeah, Blake's actually paying for this article because it is very recent. It's um, studies done from 20 to 2022. And, so it's pandemic world. Uh, yeah, it's pandemic world and also very open for cisgender males, cisgender females, LGBTQ community, non-binary, a lot of references. This article has 60 references alone. And so we're talking about kind of like a human condition as opposed to just cishet or just yeah. American. I believe there's an American university involved, an Australian university involved, and a German university involved. So, exactly. Um, you know, that 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 is sort of the, you know, uh, Western European world. But, uh, you know, that that's who we're talking about right now. But it does say, like, this is a statistic that kind of... Statistic. It's like we have 35% of the current population that's experiencing challenges, making new friends, being lonely at the age of over 40. Actually, the, I'm going to correct you a little bit, sure. counselor, because I actually wrote down details, and you're just talking about them on the top of your head, is one-third or 35% of adults over 45 report feeling lonely and difficulties making new friends. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that is not remarkably surprising. I remember kind of tackling this idea in my 30s, right, mm -hmm. where I guess I would say from the age of about 28 to about 35, and I don't think I'm unique in this, a lot of my previously very close friends suddenly went through a rash of weddings. I, I, I mean, it was like it was like they caught the flu. I, I uh, <laughs> my sister and I talk about like the year of 2008, 2009 being our like year of death is I went to um, 13 funerals and gave seven eulogies. I would say like following that uh, from 2010 to 2012, I was in five fucking weddings. Oh, yeah. God. Dear Lord. I am so sorry. Oh, God. And if you knew how much I fucking hate weddings, you would know that that was just like eating glass for me. But, you know, there was just sort of like this this complete coupling up and, you know, having all of my, well, not all of mine, but a large majority of my very close friends go from an I to a we. I was, you know, it didn't make me question some of my life choices. You know, it was sort of like watching some of my close friends basically just, you know, take a take a detour. They exited a highway and went on a completely different one. And, you know, as time went by, I saw them, you know, just moving on a different life path than I was one. And it was scary and lonely. And having to, 
you know, you know, there's a lot of existential angst that comes with that. Am I making wrong choices? Am I completely undateable? Shut up. I know you've all listened to this podcast, so you know, yes, obviously, I Bonnie. I am smirking at Bonnie oh, right yeah. now as we speak. But I was feeling some angst about it at the time. Also, the being kind of blithely aware that I was a mean bitch and I understand nobody wanting to hang out with me. But was? Shut up. <laughs> you think you're funny. You so do, but no. no. I know. Uh-huh. Um, and what to do about that, right? I, you know, I love my old friends, but I also kind of am in a different life path than them and wasn't quite sure how to either deepen current acquaintances that I had or, you know, just wholesale go out and meet new people. And I, you know, that was something I kind of worked through um, in my mid thirties, but I can see, I have a lot of friends right now who are coming in coming to me with that, right? Um, a, a close female friend of mine just recently reached out because our friend just got engaged. Yay, yay, yay. Um, but she was like, I just realized that all of my friends are now married and I'm not and I have no desire to get married. Bonnie, can we hang out more? And I'm like, yes, totally. You can need to come hang out with all my non-married friends. Yay. But that, I mean, that was a real kind of nakedly vulnerable conversation to have and ask for her to have. And I was really kind and of- And it's a very real conversation. Yeah. Because I'm like, I'll be candid. This is one I have with myself approaching 50, uh, having moved numerous times in my life where like I've had established friends and I've upended my life to go elsewhere. <laughs> I mean, frankly, I always thought it was kind of sad that your your closest friend in Austin is your ex-girlfriend. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, Blake. Kill me. <laughs> I, I'm like, I feel like you, you can... You can you can do better. Uh, I can do better. Um, <laughs> I mean, when I'm your closest friend, I'm sorry. <laughs> other people have came to me, like professionally and personally, like clients, other friends, uh, talking about you know finding new ways and new avenues other than dating apps and things to find new friends and meet new people. And it's it's hard, right? Um, yeah, it's hard. Especially it, when you find yourself at a certain age, set in your ways, set in your interest. And you're wondering, am I able, am I that old dog that can be taught new tricks or am I not? It's really disconcerting. I would say the first step is to not frame it in that that kind of stark binary choice, right? Either I adapt or die. You're like, well, okay, maybe. But again, no, there's many gray areas to this. But most of us, unfortunately, go to that black and white thinking. It's like, can I do this? Can I not do this? Should well, I just stay up until three o'clock in the morning eating ice cream, watching YouTube videos? And rubbing my nipples serotypically, right? Because my dog is very judgy, right? You know, I mean, oh, but honestly, that's what I would say is like kind of maybe dial down the stakes just a touch than that. It's it's very hard to go out and make friends when you feel like you have to or die, right? Like, but you want to, you want to expand your social circle because most of us, the people we come in contact are either family or work-related relationships, Right now, right? or And so our, you know, vestigial friends are ones that we made in high school or in college. And I, I do kind of feel like that's what it is, is that that's what happened to me in like the 20, age 28 to 33, is my high school and college friends all sort of coupled up and, you know, started marching down a different right on. script involving tiny humans that they were responsible for keeping alive. Tiny and, humans. You know, things that I had not a lot of interest in. How you how you made friends in high school or in college usually just had to do with proximity, right? Like your friends from college sometimes were your like roommates, you know, and you became friends because you were strangers forced to live together. And that is just a forced intimacy. And you were witnesses to a very particular time of your life. And, you know, you as you get older, you realize like these people just know you because they had this 
tiny window of opportunity how to get to know you. Right. And so now you're forced to either expend skills that you don't have in letting people know you or curating people who you want to get to know and let them get to know you as opposed to just sort of having friendships happen spontaneously by just going through your life. And that's where like work friends come in. But, you know. Happy hour friends, networking friends, you know, people that are in your own industry and whatnot. We find ourselves hitting those norms and we realize we forget that there are so many other resources out there for us. Yes. And I, I have had, you know, and I think you and I kind of weirdly agree on this, Blake, is that you and I both had a lot of different careers. We've, we've changed a lot of industries. We've, we've, we've worked a lot of different jobs. We, we've been a lot of different professional personas. And, you know, I adopted the opinion when I was reasonably young that professional friends, you need to have very specific boundaries around, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you don't necessarily want to talk about how you're lusting after your neighbor's wife um, when <laughs> this may be a person who needs to write you a recommendation in the future, right? You may, there, there's a level of sort of getting into sort of the nitty-gritty intimacy of person of, of personal details that maybe you don't want to cross a professional threshold for. Exactly. And, uh, you know, my my opinion on dating in um, your job is I was like, no, no, no. I mean, I, and I've, I've been in a lot of male dominated fields where I was one of the only females in the room. And so the way I looked at it is like, no, 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 when you're at work, you know, you're allowed, think of it like a museum. You're allowed to mire the scenery and think it's pretty. You're just not allowed to touch it or take it home. Yeah. And I, you know, don't date um, professionally or people I work with professionally, even colleagues or even, you know, Again, acquaintances that way. Like I was taught at a young age, don't shit where you eat, so to speak. I'm sure we've all heard that. Well, and we were talking like statement before that you know that uh, Generation Z, the Zennials, they they do. I, I remember reading. I mean, again, I can't really reference all of the statistics we're going to be quoting, but I'm going to try to. Uh, that something like 62% of them, um, you know, find romantic relationships with their colleagues, the people that they work with, and I'm like, well, it's changed quite a bit, and that's because. I mean, you have new careers, especially in the tech careers, as we were discussing earlier, where their life is their job. Yes. I mean, they go to work. They're at work 8 to 12 hours a day. They're immersed. They don't have to leave their job because they have wonderful cafeterias. They have bars. They have clubs. They have snacks. They have games. They have 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 snacks everywhere. Foosball, right? Yeah. So you're sitting there, and the next thing you know, you're sitting there like, hey, I work in accounting. Hey, I work work in HR. And we're sitting there playing shuffleboard at 7 o'clock at night in our office lobby. Because we have a work-life balance. Yeah. But yes. Yeah, I, so within that scenario, I, I understand it, but I also re- recognize that, you know, you're going to run into your 30s and then, hey, welcome to your 40s. Blake's about to tell us about what it's on the other side of 50, uh, uh, where you realize that maybe, you know, <laughs> dating at work is not the best of all ideas. And again, what I do for a living, I do not date at work. Well, that seems illegal. You should not date your patients. Oh, no. I'm talking about my colleagues. Oh. Most of my colleagues view me as dad. They do. Because, uh, again, most of my colleagues are much younger than I am and see me. It's like, here, I'm going to come into your office and sit down and have a talk. Okay. What's going on? I'm their therapist as well. So. Thanks, dad. But, yes, I mean, uh, I, I, if you guys know, I, I did go to a happy hour with some of Blake's colleagues, and they were some of the most beautiful, talented ladies under the age of 30. And I was like, yeah. 
Yeah. Like, like you're the dad. I am the most harmless thing in the room at this situation, which is, God, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> Sexy, except no. But it does, it does, you know, approach the idea about like, well, you mm-hmm. know, how, how do you meet people? How do you meet new friends? I feel like, you know, the dating apps give you the idea of meeting new people being fairly easy, honestly, but it's. It's all with a lot of ancillary expectations like sex and hookups. And and it doesn't have to be that. I mean, you can, again, we're in 2023. We can have platonic relationships with other human beings. I mean, we're, we're over 40, so I feel like if we're not grown up enough for it now, we're never We going never to be. will be. Yeah. And there, there are so many, like I said earlier, there's so many avenues that we can approach for making new friends. Starting off with, with your general likes and interests. Okay, so this is something that you always have. If you're going to Google how to make friends over 40, this is the first thing they're going to say. This is the first advice that gets, you know, spit out um, on Psychology Today and all its, uh, you know, clones is, you know, find your interests and then go find others, right? The internet has made it possible for you to find your people. Your people do exist no matter what you're interested in. I will say that when I was in a bit of a professional rut, personal rut, needed to make a change but didn't know quite how, I did one of the truly nerdy professional things, but it was wonderful. It changed my life. I joined Toastmasters. I'm just saying it was awesome. I love those people. They changed my life. And they were just people I would never would have met. They were very encouraging, very positive. I got to get better at a skill I used to do in high school, which is public speaking. And I just, yeah, I got to meet a lot of new people. And that was a that was a gateway step that gave me courage to do other things I was interested in, like, Burning Man and meeting burners and getting into getting back into art and writing and the creative side of me. But, you know, baby steps. Some of it is just showing up to a Toastmasters meeting. Some of it is just showing up to a meetup for, I mean, motorcycles. That's how you kind of made friends in Austin Mm -hmm. is Blake got back into motorcycles. Blake was in motorcycles before he got to Austin. And I've also sold them. So as we've all discussed. Yes, but you you came to Austin not knowing really anybody but your former ex-girlfriend. And, uh, you know, you... You gravitated towards the motorcycle groups, right? The motorcycle, not clubs so much, because I know that means something different. In the yeah, but world. I mean, like going to the cruise ends, going up to the bike nights, things of that nature were great. Uh, and then also I started getting into my nerdy interest as well. What are nerdy interests? Are we talking about the the rockabilly, psychabilly, goth girls? Is that what we're talking about? No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about the actual gaming part of it, oh, part yeah. of the aspect. Because for a short period of time, like I was between jobs and I decided, you know what? I wanted a complete throwaway fun job. And I got a job at Vigilante Gastropub. Oh, you loved that job. You really did. I loved that job. I mean, what? I get paid to go to work, give people awesome food, serve them booze and teach them how to play games. Come on. That's amazing. So if you're not in a position where you can take up a second job of feeding and watering your fellow nerds, you know, that uh, there's always meetups, there's always groups. And in some ways, okay, so walking cold into a meetup group where you're just, you're showing up yourself being like, hey, uh, that is, that is hard. I think you need to kind of give yourself a pat on the back. I call that. Yeah. PhD level socialization. It's hard. And you do feel like you're maybe in third grade again. And just keep in mind that 
everybody's feeling that. And if you're not alone in the room for being uncomfortable. And what I've learned about the people who will actually even just set up a meetup account, a meetup meeting, they are aware that everybody showing up has kind of limited social skills and is nervous as fuck. And that maybe they're reliving some very traumatizing junior high dance moments in their heads. But um, usually they're... Yeah, all of a sudden the theme to breakfast the club starts playing as you walk in the room. You're like... God. My God, you're old. What a hell of a reference. But yes, that you yes, you're 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 catching on, old man. <sighs> Just be kind to yourself, knowing that like if you feel nervous, so does everybody else. And don't be afraid to be nervous. I mean, just walk up and just remember you're, you have social skills. You have professional skills. You can sit there. Hi, my name is so-and-so. I do this for a living. Or, hi, my name is so-and-so. I, I like to cross-stitch. Do you like to cross-stitch? This is a cross-stitching meeting. Tell me how you got into yeah. cross-stitching. It, yes, if you want to know how yeah. to small talk, introduce yourself and then ask the other person about yeah. themselves. That's um, how you small talk. <laughs> prime example, I recently joined a Facebook group called the Austin Horror Society. Horror. Horror not, society. Not Austin Horror Society. That's an entirely different crowd. They're much more fun, but go ahead. Your opinion. So judgy. <laughs> but um, they're a local group that goes, that, that goes to local horror conventions and goes sees premieres to opening horror movies. And um, same way with, like, as you know, like I've been to the Nosferatu Festival where it's a vampire convention. And, like, I'm meeting, like, like-minded people that are having, showing similar interest. All right. So for me, I... I like things to be quantified. You know, it's like patience, Bonnie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How long does that take? Uh, so I have a therapist question for you, Blake. Shoot. And maybe this it's a psychological question. How many times do you need to meet a person before there is an accepted or just sort of maybe natural, I don't know, familiarity where you get past the newness of strangers and you feel like we know each other? Because I don't believe in first impressions, which right. is the strangest thing considering I'm in sales for a living, dear Lord. But I, I don't make the best of all first impressions. I really don't trust people who like me on a first impression because I'm I'm an acquired taste. I get better when, when you like know me. Personally, it's hard to quantify, like for me. Okay. Because let's be honest, anybody that's met me knows that I have no problem walking up to people going, hi. Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, so. Yeah, but. I'm not into your like personal experience because you are, you, you have like a Blake twinkle. Professional experience. You know, we're looking at four or five times. Four or five times. Okay. Because yeah. I was always going off of the rule of threes is that yeah. I would force you're looking myself. At four or five times if you're, like, you're showing up the same coffee shop. It's like getting to know your local barista, getting to know your local bartender. Four or five times after a while having short conversations. Hey, I'm so-and-so. It's really great to meet you. That type of thing. Or when you're going to similar events. Like, for uh, for example, like I was at a horror event and I started running into people I knew. Like, just by happenstance. Right. Okay. And that was after four to six times for me where, I mean, they were starting to get to know me and I was actually making a point to where everybody making hobby decisions of getting involved in the horror scene in Austin. So four or five times to get to the point where these people knew you well enough to maybe invite you to things that are sort of off schedule. Right. right? Hey, if you're free, we're having this thing tonight, right? Yeah. Where hey, like I got a couple extra tickets to uh, at the Paramount for Cocaine Bear. Are you interested? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you're such a nerd. Sorry. I again, I have never claimed not to be anything, but I just love the idea of you like chatting at the barista. I've got extra tickets to Cocaine Bear. Awesome. <laughs> uh, love it, love it. So like, but I agree. Like four to five times 
of, and within a time period, I say four to five times within like three months, right? There does need to be a repetition of familiarity to lay down the barriers. Um, For me, when I've had to gone into new situations. I wouldn't call it barriers. I'd say lay down the foundation. I think it is laying down barriers because it's kind of laying down the stranger, not stranger threshold, okay. right? Because there's strangers in that I don't remember meeting you before and we're kind of going through the motions of meeting once again mm-hmm. versus like not stranger being like, I feel like we've met again, but I don't really know you, right? Like it's the moving from stranger to not stranger, which moves into acquaintance, which could become friend, right? Like there's the, because you're much more outgoing, much more social. You're much more of an extrovert than I am. I can play an extrovert on TV, but generally I like to kind of stealth meet people and then observe them in the wild and maybe come up with a psychological profile before I ever let them make direct eye contact. (laughs) I may have trust issues, whatever. (laughs) Or seeing other human being in relationships in kind of a predatory way. It's fine. Uh, You know, but that, like, the repetition of it and, you know, because it is so scary to be new and go into a situation where you don't know anybody and you're there to meet people that frankly gives me like my stomach starts clenching and I don't want to do it. But uh, like, you know, make a deal with yourself being like, if you do this three to four times. Yeah. But I'm also going to call Bonnie out on this. We actually recently went to the Austin podcast meetup. First time went in cold and we did rather well. Friended people on Facebook, got into the group. And I'm getting messages from the group. Don't know about you yet. Oh God, no, no. Okay. I, I knew you were. You're, you're, you're my, you're my, you're my front man. <laughs> you're my front man. You're like, pay attention to the big guy, right? He, he'll talk and he'll smile. As Bonnie likes to say, yes, like shows up like Beyonce. Oh, he doesn't do anything for the fucking podcast, but show up and be Beyonce, which is actually fine because it's real hard to be Beyonce, and I can't do it. But again, it was um, like we went outside our comfort zone and tried something new. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also learned a great deal while we did it. That's true. That was a fun crowd. Weird crowd, but yeah. fun crowd. And I think if we need to go at least three more times, they remember you because you're eight feet tall and pretty yeah. memorable looking. And also, if anybody hasn't seen me see me lately, I have a propensity for wearing a top hat now. It's true. You do. I haven't noticed that. It does seem, yeah. I mean, eight feet tall with a top hat and a, be- and a white Santa Claus beard. Pretty memorable. But, you know, for the, the rest of us that maybe aren't quite so memorable, uh, yeah. But again, it's 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 all about the practice and like looking and also sitting down right now. What's your end game? What do you want? What do you desire? What are your needs in this? Are you what are you specifically looking for? You're looking for friendships. Are you looking for long term companions? And like I'm talking about platonic companions. We're not talking about the dating or sexual thing. Well, I mean, the thing is, is like I'm just I feel like, you know, I'm just looking to people. Mm-hmm. Right, I need people, uh, and I don't know how to people. And you know, uh, how how many times do I have to people before I can maybe make a friend? You know, that that's kind of like yeah, yeah, yeah. How long does it take? Yeah, but but again, four to six times is getting to know yourself, and also not being afraid to reach out to these people, especially when you go social media contacts. Hey, I'm on Instagram. Hey, I'm on Facebook. Hey, I'm on Twitter. Hey, I'm on Snapchat. I do like that. I do. That is one of the better things about social media that I do think all of us over 40 should take advantage of. It's like mm-hmm. social media is a very low key way to get in touch or to make a connection with somebody to follow up later. Yeah. You're not asking them for their digits, which sometimes can be a mixed messages possible ask, right? Yeah. Again, we're in 2023. People are very protective of their phone numbers because spam calls. That and I, I do like connect with the millennials like, Calling somebody directly feels like an act of overt aggression. Why would you do that? 
dear Lord, why would you even leave a voicemail? Why? Why do you? Why are you gonna waste my time to check your fucking voicemail? Text me. Just text me. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but also, you know, like in, in lieu of what Bonnie just said, moving out of your comfort zones, everybody. <laughs> why would you even call me? That seems so weird. Aggressive. Uh, four to six times. Make and fun. also. Here's the other thing. Give yourself some grace and be gentle with yourself. Because at the time, when you're, you'll have those moments where you feel lonely. Because moving into where you used to, hey, I used to go out every Friday night. I used to do this, used to do this, used to do this. Now, Friday night's like, wow, it's 835. <sighs> so I don't read or talk a lot about dating advice books, but I had a friend of mine who recommended one dating advice book that I read during the snow ice apocalypse of February 2021 when the Texas power grid went down and Texas tried to kill us. So I was without power or water and therefore decided it was the perfect time to read a book called How Not to Die Alone. And it was written by a burner, uh, a data scientist out of San Francisco. Uh, and it has some varyingly interesting things to say. But one of the things it did say... Um, was something that was very clever, but I forgot it because Blake has been feeding me whiskey for a while. Hang on a second. Yes, blame Blake for this. <laughs> she talks about the writer is Logan Yuri, right, who is a burner and is um, a data scientist out of San Francisco. And so one of the things she talks about is that over 40, you're kind of looking for different things in the first meeting that kind of move away from the desire to like live a romantic comedy where like a whole like 10 piece brass band starts playing when you guys meet across the room. Right. And to accept dates and accept offers, accept coffee dates, make coffee dates with people that just interest you. Right. That they just say something interesting. They have a common interest. Start with the seeking goal is to be friends or mainly even just to spend a pleasant 15, like lower the stakes of what your expectations are and see what goes from there because how you're programmed to think love happens when you're young is actually really kind of different than how love tends to happen once you get older. It is not so much about the fast bells and whistles. It is more about trust, frankly, and trust is not an instantaneous moment. It really is not for me. It's something that's grown and built over mm -hmm. time and that, you know, Lower the stakes about what your expectations are to just be. And that, 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 that was very resonating for an introvert like me who was about to die in her house freezing from the Texas power grid. And like, I can piggyback on that. One thing I, that we forget as we get older is living in the moment versus overanalyzing it. Yeah, that's hard. That's true. Yeah, Ugh, I hate that. All, yeah. of the, all the dating, I mean, we, we've, we've talked some shit about some bad dating advice, but they do say, like, just be in the moment, stop. Yeah. Stop like needing somebody to fit whatever ideal you have for the next 30 years of your life. Exactly. And, and just like them because they made you laugh yeah. and go with that. That's enough. Someone made you laugh or someone had a really good anecdote to where all of a sudden you were intellectually just like going, whoa, I want to talk to you. Boy. Yeah. I hadn't You're an of, awesome human being. I have not thought about that before. Tell me more. Yeah. And just step off that ledge and fly for a minute. Not sit there and go, oh my God, is this person accepting me? Do they realize that I'm trying to rub my nose and not look really overly conspicuous? What am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? Just take a moment and be you and be in the moment. All right, so you just said fly. I'm only just one point out. F 
falling feels like flying for a little while. And what you're saying is trying to get out of your own anxiety of your self-consciousness, right? Yeah. And also acknowledge that you're having the anxiety. Yes, I have found that to be actually very disarming because, you know, if you've listened to this podcast, you you, you realize that I have a bit of a reputation of being kind of an impenetrable wall <laughs> at times. And uh, it doesn't sometimes occur to people that I get nervous uh, and that it has been wildly a disarming thing to point out to people that I am nervous, even if I'm not visibly showing it, saying that like. Well, you know, kind of going to that meetup. I think I did tell the yeah. the the organizer, the podcast organizer, like it's, it's this is anxiety inducing. This isn't is a nervous thing to come here because we're really kind of newbies at this whole podcasting, and we're just making it up as we go along. And you guys, you know, they want to come. Did. And you're not giving yourself enough credit right now because one thing that you asked me, like, would you mind letting me introduce us? I did. That's true. Well, I, and, like, I like to public speak. But again, that was your practice breaking the ice for you and also moving out of your comfort zone, engaging with new people. New people. They're scary. Do they smell weird? New people. Yes. 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 But yes. Okay. I want to argue with you about your compliment. We're going to sit here and take it. Because I'm growing as a human. <laughs> Fuck off, Blake. Um, <laughs> back to it. But so to, to try to universalize what you just yeah. said is that, yes, I find first impressions or the, the need to make a positive right. first impression very anxiety-inducing. So some way to do that is to try to find moments in which you can maybe control it, which is to introduce yourself, to introduce the posse that you're rolling with, to... Mm -hmm. Try to get ahead of the Blake Twinkle taking over the world and being like, yeah, I'm part of this too. He's not only the nice one. <laughs> also, realizing if you're going, if you're doing it like a meetup or going to a common interest group, no, you already all have something in common. Something is drawing you together. Even if it's a room full of strangers, you have something in common already. And that is the, that is what you talk about, right? That is yeah. the key to small talk is that you talk about what you already yeah. obviously having common that's like let it be horror movies let it be like you go to you go to the park and you go hey there's this community gardening event that i go to like we're we're trying like composting today and that's an interest you can sit there and talk about that then you can talk about other things how'd you get into this and then there's a funny anecdote involved and you go from there well that's just it it's like that that's how you start smart you start small talk is you say so what made you come here there you go exactly what brought you here tonight are you, have you always been interested in gardening? Right. You know, they, there you go. Just the, these easy questions. In my new role for my new position that I have, like I actually do this for clients where take them to places where they can meet like-minded people with their interest. Elaborate a little bit on that, right? Well, like for example, like I had a small group of clients that are gamers and um, they are isolated because of their disability. And I was able to take them to Dragon's Lair. By the way, Dragon's Lair is awesome if you're in uh, Mid-Austin, fantastic gaming and comic book store. Yeah, gaming and comic book store, yes. There's a Magic Gathering game happening at all times. Exactly. But we were able to take them on a Tuesday afternoon, and they got to meet a bunch of different people and make connections with other individuals with their same interest. And that is the key, is to just start small. Yeah. And then repeat it. I actually kind of think that's what it is. I don't try to, like, close the goddamn deal on the first impression. That That's anxiety-inducing to me. It's to just try to make one small connection on the first meeting and then show up again next week to yeah. make another same small connection on the second week and then do it again. But I think it does involve actual humanity. You have yeah. to 
get out of your house. You have to get out from behind the computer. You have to get out from your phone. You, you, you're stepping away from your comfort zone. You, you got to step out and be a real life human. And being afraid, stone cold okay. Everybody else is. Again, when you when you look at look at yourself now, like making friends with your kids, it was easy because you were surrounded by a herd. Well, and there's like five of you who all live on the same block. Therefore, right. you're all playing together, right? Proximity. Proximity yeah. used to be the substitute for intimacy for all of these skills because you were just but around now, each other. But now it's like, like you're looking for people specifically that are geared to you. It's you see that person that's out there and goes, hey, they're doing the same thing I'm doing. And there's tons of meetups that are available. You sit there, you get on Facebook, you get on Eventbrite, you get on bands today, like if you're into music, and you start going to venues. Mm-hmm. And this is this is where bartenders and bouncers are useful because yeah. they will remember you. It's yeah. their job to remember you, and they will. And their job is to also be polite and friendly. So you know what? Be polite and friendly back. They will remember you. Yeah. I found my home at Come and Take It Live where I know the bouncers and bartenders. It's like, I walk up to the bar now, and it's like, all of a sudden, Mr. Thompson, glad to see you back, sliding a cider across to me. That's kind of cool. But also just sitting there and also having a conversation not just about that part of the relationship, but about the music that's about to be performed and the band that's about to play. Getting to talk to a person that works there because they're passionate about where they work because they get to see all the cool stuff. And you get to connect with them based off that cool stuff. Connect with them about their own passion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. These are the basic 101 skills that are hard. I mean, I you do have the Blake Twinkle, so it's hard to replicate the Blake Twinkle in public so I want to like dial down everybody else's expectations. It, what is what is easier for Blake is not so much easier. You keep for the saying rest of the Blake Twinkle. What is that? Do I need to replay our entire podcast episode about flirting? Do I, do I need to <laughs> do I need to just play that back for you? No, you don't. You All right. Don't. All right. Are you going to pretend like? Oh, I have no idea, Bonnie. Tell me more about how Blake Twinkly I am. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Dude, let me fair. Yeah. Oh wait, my hair's already perfect. All Never right, mind. Right. Hey, so we're so we're over your false modesty. Let's move on. <laughs> 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 you know exactly what I'm talking about. I do. It takes practice and sitting there and looking at your anxiety and going, okay, I want to move out of my comfort zone. And it's about taking that first step. We're not asking you to jump in the deep end of the pool, but taking that first step, signing up for an event. Going to an event, right? Yeah. Even if you don't talk to anybody, at least you've been at that event and you, you have something the next time. Maybe you have the courage to talk to that person and be like, were you here last time? You remember that band? You here last time? You remember that burlesque show? Yeah. This is something I... I like about the queer community is actually do feel like they're much more welcoming to the stranger and have a lot more capacity for the lack of social skills. One might say, I love this about the burners, right? Cause mm-hmm. you know, I, I, you know, if you watch all the Instagram pictures from burning man, it does seem like it's just filled with wall to wall, beautiful, wonderful models and really cool looking somewhat shady guys. <laughs> um, but if you know real burners, most of us are just weirdos who have very little social skills. But what we like about burns and burner events is that we have something built in to talk about, right? Yeah. I I don't mind talking about talking to strangers at burners events because we all have something to, you know, which is, is this your first burn? What was your first burn? Bam. And that's almost an instant conversation because we all, I think of, I do compare burners to evangelical Christians because we all have some sort of born again story to tell. You know, what was your first burn? There you go. And it's just an automatic conversation. Yeah, especially when like season burners, when they walk into a burn and someone says, welcome home. And then all of a sudden you watch them melt. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not, trust me, very, like less of us are the Instagram models. More of us are just kind of the socially awkward weirdos. So speaking of socially awkward, I think we're coming up around that time for awkward, uncomfortable questions. Oh, God. Yeah. All right. 
Okay. Yeah. All right. So I have kind of an uncomfortable question for you. Mm. Mm. This is my happy face. This is your happy face. So is there a social circle that you've wanted to get into, but you have failed to do so? Hmm. Yes. I, um, so yes. Let me see if I can say this out loud. In the burner scene, there are a lot of different kinds of people. There's a lot of different kinds of participants, a lot of different kinds of artists, a lot of different kinds of um, volunteers. I am wildly intimidated by people who can build things with their hands. I am a writer, right? I do words and writing is a very solitary pursuit. And I don't, and I'm, and I'm wildly clumsy. I've been clumsy my entire life. I was a danger to myself and others in New York City because I was constantly <laughs> like tripping down subway stairs and falling on groups of people. You know, I, I'm, uh, I, me and power tools, I feel like this is how Bonnie dies or loses an eye. I, you know, I'm, I'm intimidated by power tools. I'm intimidated by people who are very manually gifted. And there are a lot of those in the burner community. And a lot of them are my friends. They're just astonishingly talented artists who can build and make anything. And even if they don't know how to build and make anything, they can kind of sit down and play around with power tools and stuff and just sort of make it fucking happen and figure it out. And I, um, yeah, I just, I can't hang with them. I want to, I like them. I'm friends with them, some of them, but when they kind of get together and do this sort of like closed circuit conversation unit where they talk about angle grinders and pulleys and physics and shit. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to go. Cause this feels weird. Uh, Cause I, you know, I just, I don't, I don't know. And I, I'm too scared to learn. Mm -hmm. Cause I really am scared of losing a finger. I have a fear. Nobody really believes me when I say I'm clumsy. And then I just want to download to them all the various different times. I almost died living in New York city <laughs> um, through just sheer clumsiness. And I'm like, I don't want to go this way. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I get intimidated by how open they are to learning new things and just the ease they have with their manual dexterity and their sheer creativity. And so sometimes I get dragged kicking and screaming into those um, circles by some of my friends. And sometimes I see that circle happening and I just walk away and go hang out with my wordy, nerdy introverts in the corner where we just talk about how awesome they are. And then we like share weird articles we've read on the internet with each other. That's, that's what I do. But you're still finding connection with people. Yes, yes, I am. But you're but, still finding connection with people, and you're still connected to those people that are building. From afar, I'm an admirer from afar. <laughs> <laughs> from afar, and uh, dear God, I don't want them to ask me to help me build help build something because I really don't want them to know how clumsy I am and how geometry is not my best thing. And I don't understand how angles fit together. I think a triangle's a thing. I'm sure it exists, but I don't really want to make it happen with wood. You know. So yeah, it's 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 hard to have. I get very nervous and tend to walk away from situations where what's happening is not something I know something about or feel confident in. And I don't think I'm unusual with that. But yes, I would say that is You're big, not. that's a big barrier. That that is if I see people doing things that I admire but I don't know how to do, I will assume a voyeur space as opposed to a participant space. Okay. <laughs> nervous laugh. Mm, uh oh, fuck you. <laughs> All right, we'll right back at you, white boy Blake Twinkle. Is there a group or cool kids club that you are have been too intimidated to seek out and join? 
Right now, yeah. It's about getting over myself and like actually wanting to go in and engage in the burner community. Oh, it's the burners. Yeah. I was wondering about that because your first burn, you were just, you were the perfect virgin burner. You were just like literally skipping and <laughs> smiling and singing. There were like birds coming down to like give you breakfast da, or something. Da, 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 yeah, da, you were, da. you were definitely having a Snow White Cinderella burner yeah. virgin moment. And then you sort of stepped way back from the burner community. You know, I'm still trying to figure out where I fit. What does that mean? And if I do fit, it's not, it's more existential than just, like asking for a black and white answer. Like I'm just, I'm still trying to, I'm trying to figure out my footing and it's probably going to take me to like practicing to come to a, a few more events. When you say your footing, is it kind of just figuring out what I resonate when you say that is that I had similar things when I kind of like, I don't know where I fit in here. What can I offer this community? Right. Is needing to know yeah, that I can offer them something. That's the other thing. It's because of the type of community that the burners are. It's a duocracy. Yeah. Do it, right? Yeah. And um, what can you do for them? Yeah. And like, I know what I can do for them, like, like professionally. Like, there's so many volunteer works that are based around mental health and safety that I could jump into. But that doesn't like. But I don't want to. Okay. I mean, that doesn't resonate with you. Don't. So don't do it. I don't want to do what I do during the week on the weekends. Yeah. Me neither. Yeah. I mean, just you and I were just recently at an event where I was trying not to jump out of my own skin. And one of uh, Bonnie's and I, um, Common Connections, was sitting there, yeah, Blake, come do this, do this, do this. It'll be great. It'll be great. I'm like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Bonnie, can we, can we go? When can we go? Oh, 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 my God. Oh, my God. I need, like, like I'm, not, I'm too sober for this. I, I, I have noticed that transition that, like, you, you, you loved the burn. You loved the first one. You were just skipping around. And then there was just this big pullback where you're like, I don't know. No, they give me anxiety. Is it because you're just not quite sure? Not quite sure how I fit. How you want. How I want to fit. And also, as I get older, can I fit? Like, there's the uncertainty. There's the insecurity there. And also, with a lot of how I view myself. What do you mean by that? I mean, like, how I view myself, like, personally, professionally, sexually, all the different things. It's like turning 50, I'm like, I'm starting to reevaluate so many things about who I am and how I want to fit in and what would does me fitting in look like. And does it feel like the burners is kind of like an, a square peg in your round hole? You're, it, it doesn't, does it feel like they offer you a lot of narrow options to fit in? No, there's not a lot of narrow options. It's over so overwhelming the amount of options that, that they have. Ah, okay. So you could be queer, you could be creative, you could be performative, you could be... You could be anything you want to be, and that's... You could be the reliable adult for mental health issues, right? Those, yeah. those are a lot of conflicting... Yeah, I see what you mean. Those are a lot of conflicting personalities. Yeah. And it could it could eat you up. You could be try to be everything to everyone. And I'm just trying to be... I don't want to be everything to everyone. I want to be everything to me. And I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm not afraid to say it. I, I understand. I do understand that sort of... It's, I, I often say this because I'm, I'm good at organizing, right? So that's, that's what I've learned to offer the, the, the burners is I'm good at organizing, I'm good at communicating, right? There you go. Um, I can write a hell of a fucking email. Fuck yes. You know, and I can, I can, I can schedule a calendar date. These yeah. are my skills. You know what? They are not universal and they're very definitely valued by the burner community, you know, but also recognizing that I, I can't be everything. And then sometimes I feel like I'm failing them because I can't be everything. I can't yeah. be that cool person with the angle grinder and the, the tools. I mean, my last burn, it's like what it was Blake. Blake was one of the counselors on call 
for the mental health volunteers. I told you not to do it. <laughs> I didn't listen. Sorry. I told you not to do it. But I ended up, I mean, working the whole weekend and it was just incredibly overwhelming. And it's just it's like, I don't know if I want every burn to look like that or every relationship going, oh yeah, Blake, that's a mental health guy. Yeah. I'd like to be known for something else other than that. You you are a therapist, but you are not only a therapist. It's right. The, the definitive identity. Yeah. I mean, it's like therapist is what I do. It's not my identity. Is it part of me? Absolutely. But it's not what defines me. Oh yeah, if I was considered the, the the banker of the burners, I don't know if I would stick around. I I, I don't I don't uh I don't like being a banker enough to do it yeah. in all times. So that's me answering very uncomfortably, going, Yeah, I'm really super awkward trying to figure find my footing. It's not for everyone either. You don't have to do it. I know. You don't <laughs> have to do anything. Except pay taxes and die. And you know, if anything Donald Trump taught us, you don't actually have to pay the taxes. And or die. <laughs> Fair. But, uh, you know, it is, you know, burners notwithstanding, but in, in general, all the things, it is worth it to just try. You know, I, I had a, you know, I just had a life experience where right around the age 34, I quit a job and wound up quitting my entire family and wound up quitting almost all of my friends. And so I had to kind of rebuild an entire life from the ground up and did really feel like I was in seventh grade again showing up the first time at lunch and being like, I don't know where to sit. You know, can I sit at this table? I'll sit at this table. I don't know what to do. And just, yeah, it sucks. It sucks to feel that young and uncertain when you are this old and your, your, uh, you know, joints still creak, you know? Yeah. Cause I'm like, there's, there's like, I'm not afraid to admit there's things I'm uncertain of. It's like, you know, I have a lot of bravado. You do. And, but there are certain things, you know, I can walk into a room and own a room, give me a topic. Then there's other things I walk in the room and I'm 14 years old again trying to figure out, am I cool enough to be in this room? Yes, but I think that is a universal human experience and you are not the only one who feels it. So. Oh, no. I mean, like, I, I am not saying I'm a unique, no, no, no. pretty I, precious I, snowflake. That's not what I, no, that's not what I was saying. It's like, I find it somewhat comforting to realize that I'm not the only one who feels awkward at the ripe old age of 44. Yeah. Right, that I, I still feel that level of social anxiety as if I'm 14 at a school dance and we're boys on one side, girls on the other. And yeah, and everybody's watching you, even though they are not, but everybody is watching you and that, that sense of hyper self-consciousness. It is, it is a universal feeling, but yeah. it's also not fatal. You won't die from it. No, it's not fatal, but it's just something that this is where I'm hard on me, where I thought I'd be over this by now. Oh, I, I do that too. Yeah, but I'm not. And it's just, it's just. There's that, just that little reality thing. It's like, well, you're not quite over it yet, but you're learning, and you're still learning. That's the thing that gives me faith. Well, the definition of bravery is not the absence of fear. Yeah, right. It is doing something even though you are scared. Mm-hmm. It is owning both your fear and then doing it anyway. Yeah, bravery encourages. All right. <laughs> oh, I like this. I feel like we were vulnerable and brave and. You know, uniting in our nerdiness. I, yeah. love, I love you, Blake. Fuck off. Yeah, I'm going to drink more. <laughs> Kiss my ass, Bobby. <laughs> You're welcome. <sighs> All right, everybody. Thank you for showing up again for another episode with us. It's always a pleasure to have you. And you guys are amazing. You make this you make this so much fun and you do. Uh, completely worth it. Thank you so much. And keep, keep it coming. Keep the ideas yeah. coming. Uh, yes, please keep the ideas coming because... Our last couple episodes were based off ideas from our listeners, and we are happy to dive into them. Oh, yeah. 
Yes, exactly. All right. Again, info at drinkingwithyourex.com. Send them all. And um, I am Bonnie Nee. I am Blake Thompson. And it's time for a refill. Dance drink.